Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What are you talking about? This conversation can serve purpose. BZ, it's that time again for Kevin Brasler and Checkbook.org. We're going to take a look at those DNA testing sites tonight. This might be the most interesting of all. This is this is really something. Talk about what you did uh, with this, Kevin. Yeah, this was uh, it was something I worked on for about eight months, and the reason it took eight months was. I started working on it. I got really frustrated, and I just had to sit it down for about four months. Frustrated? Sure. Yeah, I just um, lots of things. Uh, we 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 started by without any kind of knowledge of the industry or any or know anything about it purposely, uh, not knowing anything about it. Uh, myself and two other kind of volunteers. We we put them all put us all in a room, and we uh, submitted our DNA to eight different services. Uh, so these services include you know, Ancestry DNA, 23andMe, MyHeritage DNA, companies like that, Living DNA, uh, National Geographic has a, a service. Um, and you know the idea was, well, what will we get back? What will each service say about our ethnicity? Uh, what will 23andMe say about, uh, you know, in terms of the health tests we get back? You'd think, since we are submitting DNA and they're, 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 these tests are supposed to be uh, you know, cutting edge science that we get the same results back from each service. Uh, we kind of wondered aloud, uh, you know, whether there would be big differences and also, you know, whether we could kind of measure which one is the best, right? Because at Checkbook, that's what we do is try to evaluate services and determine which ones are good and which ones are a waste of money. Uh, and ultimately what I concluded after eight months of thinking about this and being very frustrated about the whole thing, because there's just a lot to cover too, in terms of the health testing, and you can find family on here, and there's a massive, massive problem I think uh, with privacy, and I think we hope we get time to talk about that also. Yep. Um, is that the ancestry and ethnicity reports you get back from these services? The reason they didn't agree with one another uh, is that it's very difficult for them to be precise uh, once they try to be accurate about your ethnicity at a say a regional level. Um, they are also particularly bad at estimating ethnicity uh, for non-Europeans. Uh, and one of our testers was African-American. The other was, uh, she was born in Colombia and adopted uh, by U.S. parents. And, and for them, uh, the reports they got back in particular disagreed with one another when the companies tried to be uh, you know, specific about what region in Africa or what regions in Latin America or Europe. Uh, and... So I'll give you an example. So for my reports, the reports I got back from each of the eight, they all pretty much nailed that I'm mostly 
European, right? That I'm 96 or more percent European. Uh, the ones that look for Jewish heritage, they nailed that I'm, you know, anywhere between 47 and 50 percent uh, of Jewish heritage. But anytime they try to be more specific than that, anytime they try to determine what percent Iberian I was versus Italian versus German versus English or Scottish, that's where things fell apart very quickly and the services uh, very much disagreed with one another. Uh, and one reason is is that it's just really hard to do this work. They're talking about going back you know, anywhere between 500 and 10,000 years in my family history and trying to figure out who came from where. Um, that's just a lot of branches. It's a lot of people. And, and so it becomes very difficult just by the, the numbers alone uh, to estimate your ethnicity. Uh, the other thing is that while they can nail your heritage at a continental level, do anything more specific than that, uh, they all use, or it seems that they all use what's called a 50% confidence interval, which means, if you're a statistician, it means that they are only 50% confident that the 12% of me that they estimate as English or whatever, that that's an accurate <laughs> number. And, and so if you look at what that really means, it's, okay, here's a good example. For me, uh, one of the services might say I'm 12% Scandinavian. But at a 50% confidence interval, well, no. It's you could not, flip a coin and be not, just as accurate. That's right. And so, and the range is really, you know, the margin of error, if you will, is not is between, say, 30% down to 0%. And so I'm not 12% Scandinavian. I may not be Scandinavian at all. Uh, and the big, big problem we have with all these services is that only a few really are transparent about the fact that they're doing this guessing game. Uh, it, again, they're good at a continental level. If you're not sure what continent you're from, right, then they're good at that. Uh, but anything more specific than that, especially if you're not, you know, predominantly European, Western European, uh, things fall apart rapidly because of the models they use. Um, it, so it was really frustrating. So our, our, our tester, who is African-American, all her report, you know, some said she was predominantly West African, some said East African. She went into this because of the marketing, and we all went into this based on the company's marketing. You know, one of the companies say, we'll pinpoint your ancestry, right? Pinpoint it. We're well, not pinpointing if you're using a 50% confidence interval. You're, you're at best kind of guessing. Right, and um, East Africa versus West Africa is completely is different like a thousand miles. It's a different part of the world, yeah. right? Um, some of these services, they try to identify what percent Iberian you were versus Italian versus Greek or whatever. Uh, and most geneticists, you know, we spoke with said, you know, they can't really do that. The, the, the genes of those groups are way too similar for them to, to be specific about it all, which is why uh, a lot of the reports we got, a lot of the estimates said things like, you know, I'm 50% of Jewish heritage. Big surprise. I already knew that, right? Uh, but also that I'm, you know, broadly West European versus broadly British Isles versus broadly European. I mean, they would be so vague as to the information just wasn't very useful at all. And that's because, again, they can't figure out, for example, so I have Dutch heritage in me. I knew that going in this. Did they know that? Just from now. Well, no, nobody said, nobody, none of the reports okay. I got back said Dutch. And the reason is they can't identify Dutch. They can't separate it out from, say, Germans and French and Belgians and and even a lot of people living today in England because it's it's the same gene pool. Same gene pool. It's only political boundaries. Exactly. And so th this is a problem for them. Like people keep moving around. If people had stayed in the same place and finally started immigrating a couple hundred years ago, 
it would be a lot easier for them. They could really kind of say, well, this genetic mutation is unique to this group, and they live in Holland today. But they can't do that because people just keep moving around, and the people living in Holland today weren't the same people <laughs> living there 500 years ago. They also have problems with definition, right? So for someone to say, oh, your heritage, uh, your ancestry, your ancestry is German, is kind of a meaningless construct because Germany, as we know, it didn't even exist exactly. until a few hundred years ago, right? Italy, as we know, it didn't exist until, you know, until Mussolini, basically. I mean, they spoke different languages there. They consider themselves to be different ethnic groups for a long time. And so well, they'd be better off pointing to some uh, point on a map, like well, they latitude, do. longitude, yeah, they, rather than a political and definition. So, and, a, and most of them send maps and they're circling huge areas of Europe for me and, and saying, well, you're you know, broadly Western European, and anytime they try to be more specific, it, it, it falls apart quickly. So the services that tried to say, oh, you're 5% Scandinavian or 3% Middle Eastern, well, the margin of error is so vast on that that that's really a meaningless estimate. Uh, what really made us mad and, and really made us wonder is that we you know, this has become cocktail party fodder, right? I mean, I've heard people on airplanes talking to, to random strangers about the report. Oh, I didn't realize I got this report back, and I'm four percent Middle Eastern, right? It, with a well, fifty percent probably not Middle Eastern at all. I mean, it's just an equal chance of them not being Middle Eastern at all, right? And and some of the reports would say not just that you're twelve percent Scandinavian. They'd say for me that twelve point two percent, as if they can be that accurate. They can be that precise about the rest of us. They can't. It's a joke. And so I think all of these services should be more transparent about this massive margin of error. I, I'll tell you, uh, uh, Ancestry DNA is probably the most transparent about it because when you get the reports online, you can click on each estimate and it will show you the range. So you'll click on it and it says 15%, but it shows you the range is zero to 40%. Uh, living the DNA, range of certainty. Yeah. The, so th that's a nice thing to have. The rest of their explanations about what they do, we thought were lacking. We were really kind of disappointed in the reports we got from it in general, but that was the one thing we really liked about it. Another one, living DNA, it'll show you different pictures based on, do you want a conservative approach versus kind of a broad one? So the different kinds of perspectives there. And then 23andMe, they also will show you that. You can mess with your confidence interval with them, and they'll show you different estimates based on that, but it's really buried on their site. I don't know. They've buried it because I think that, you know, once you go in there and you say, well, I'd like to be 80% confident, you see that, you know, the, the specific estimates they have for you fall apart very quickly. Consumercheckbook.org. Let's make sure we, folks understand what that is. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not just a place that rants about uh, <laughs> DNA ancestry services. Uh, we're a nonprofit consumer group. Uh, we evaluate uh, services. Uh, usually, we evaluate local services here in the in the greater Boston area, and in six other uh, metropolitan areas around the country. Uh, we evaluate them for quality and price. We collect ratings from our subscribers, uh, and on the price side, we do tons of independent uh, undercover shopping. Uh, collect a lot of prices uh, because we found that. That companies that do good work, uh, they may charge high prices, they may charge low prices. You can't count on, uh, you, you know, on getting a good price unless you've shopped around or unless somebody's kind of guiding you toward low price. Most importantly, suppliers. you don't always get what you pay for. You, you More don't. expensive things yeah. are not necessarily that's, better. That's the one Thanks. thing that we preach over and over again is that you know the whole saying "you get what you pay for" just does not hold true, uh, especially for the things that we evaluate, which are you know our services like. 
home improvement companies, dentists, veterinarians, uh, kennels, doctors travel industry, doctors do a lot on doctors and surgeons. Um, yeah, so it, you really do need to be careful when choosing a service. Uh, you can't just say, oh, you know, they're, they're charging more because they do good work. That's not usually the case. And really, I think what separates Checkbook from from everyone else who's, who's, you know, there's lots of sources of ratings these days. There's, you know, there's Yelp and Angie's List and Home Advisor and all kinds of others. Um, all of those places exist to uh, sell advertising to the companies they're supposed to be rating. So uh, they have conflict of interest. I think there's massive conflicts of interest out there. Checkbook's different. We don't take any advertising. Uh, we don't take any money from the businesses. We charge a subscription to join, uh, as Consumer Reports does. Uh, and instead of trying to basically, um, you know, curry favor with the businesses who are paying all our money, we're, we're, we're here, we're founded by consumers and we're here just for consumers to benefit. So Consumer Reports is for things and predominantly checkbook.org yeah. is for services and local services. Uh, local services. I'm, yeah, I although, actually signed up for two years. Oh, there you, well, thank you. Of course. That, Such that, a, it was like, what, 36 bucks or something for two years? Yeah, I think it's like $34 for two years. This is not a, a big investment. Uh, and, and usually it's local services. This, this thing you know, I wrote on, on these uh, DNA services, is it's unique in that we're kind of studying a national, you know, it's almost a product, but they're, they're supposedly providing a service. What kind of home improvement services do you cover? Uh, if you name it, we, we pretty much carpet. do it. So pl carpet, plumbers, wood wood floor installers, carpet cleaners. Wood floor installers. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people these days are, you know, back into the hardwood floors. So tilers, um, gutter cleaners, gutter installers, window installers. So. Oh, yeah. What else? Um, what are some of the things that you found? You know, you want chimney sweeps. Chimney sweeps. Yeah. <laughs> you, have a, yeah. you have a beef with chimney sweeps. Who else? Oh, oh Mold. You, you, I've had a, a Mold. I, I think I ranted on this show once for about 30 minutes about basement waterproofing. That's companies. the one. That's yeah, the one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and duct cleaners. I had a nice rant, I think, a nice 10 minute rant about them. And you're going to do mold? I'd like to do something on these, uh, these companies. Mold is big these days. Everyone's worried about mold. And, you know, I think. For some reasons, they should be, although, you know, most of the mold out there, there's mold everywhere, and most of it's harmless. Um, and there are a lot of companies these days that are happy to test moisture levels in your home and test for mold and, and then offer to clean up what they find. And I I think often it's, uh, I, I suspect they're using some scare tactics there. So Once they, you let them in the house, you once you yeah. let them in yeah. your house, yeah. They probably train these people to, to scare you. That and that's what I'm worried about. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day. Was they were trying to sell their home, and uh, the buyer wanted them to do uh, an a mold evaluation because their her daughter is allergic to, as mine is, like leaf mold basically, which isn't something you have to, usually have to worry about in the home. And so this company, of course, found you know oh the moisture levels too high, and they found some mold, and then they tested it and said you know it was dangerous, and then they got their own independent test and. Their independent test said, no, it's not even mold, and just on and on and on, right? So um, I think there's a lot there. And yeah, and so a lot of times we look at stuff that, you know, just marketing hype behind things. You know, should you buy travel insurance? You and I have argued about that before. Uh, should you buy a home warranty? You know, these things where they seem like good buys, and we'll investigate them and often find that they're not I, good We do buys. have to haggle over so. the travel insurance later a, a little bit more. <laughs> we'll but. do our fourth show in a row. <laughs> no, just, five, just five minutes. <laughs> Because it's uh, you know it affects yeah most people yeah back to this DNA these DNA testing services right what is, what are what are people's motivations for doing this uh, is it 
just for fun, is it they want to confirm a self-identity that they hope yeah. for? What is the deal? I, you know, I think that um, it's it's a uniquely, for the most part, a uniquely American issue here where a lot of us don't really know where our families really came from. And, and I think a lot of people really want to um, want to identify with whatever culture it is uh, that their their ancestry, their their forebears, what have you, came from. I mean, I know for me, uh, you know, I'm interested in my my father's side of the family because I don't know much about them at all. They immigrated here, uh, you know, at the, at the beginning of, this, uh, of the 1900s, and my grandfather actually tried to go back to Europe and find family, and he couldn't because Hitler and Stalin between them it kind of destroyed all the records, and he couldn't find anyone. And then my mother's side, I'd ask my grandparents, you know, where what where are where are people come from or whatever, right? And they'd say, you know, we'd ask our parents that, and they'd say, oh, we're Americans, <laughs> right? Like it just didn't have much information. But on the other hand, I don't care that much. You know, I I I'm probably unique in that I care the least about this, uh, and. And I used to care a lot more, actually, until my wife and I adopted our daughters. And our daughters don't share in that at all. Uh, my wife, for example, she can trace her lineage, if you will, back two different people on the Mayflower, right? So, of course you can. So, I mean, and, you know, so she's got this direct so wait, line. Two and, people? Yeah, two different people on the Mayflower, so? right? Oh, I don't know. You just go back and there's, you know, the, the, her, the, the part of her family that settled in Bingham, Maine, uh, you know, was a branch from... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whatever family, person on the Mayflower, and then so another two people person, in the Mayflower yeah. got, you know. Yeah, at some point, like, the well, these are huge. You have to think about it. Like, they how, reproduced. And, again, you have to think about how many grandparents back that is. It's a ton of people who are, who are you know, related to people who sailed over on the Mayflower. I mean, lots of people in New England are related to yeah. these, these folks, right? Um, Do you get any... But I don't Any, really like certificate or anything. Yeah. So like her mom at one point signed her up for the Mayflower Society or whatever. And she what has you get little when thing. You're you got a, certi- a certificate that means, again, nothing to us, especially now that my daughters don't share in that. Yeah. At all. Um, and so you just I just don't care that much. And you being interested in it would almost make your daughters feel bad. Well, or they just, can't or just. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, you know, they're probably, you know, or conversely they might get interested in their own heritage and want to learn more oh, about yeah. about their ancestors it's too bad day. it's not more accurate <laughs> for, uh, for, when yeah. they, for when they do get interested in it well i think that if they get interested they might be interested in reconnecting with biological family and then you and could get a real genealogist and well you don't need to so that's where these services these dna testing services actually are useful they can't really pinpoint your ancestry but they for sure can identify biological they can family. confirm it, and it, with 99.99% accuracy. Okay. Yeah. And so a lot of people who are doing these tests are getting big surprises from that. They're finding out their, their father isn't their biological father. There's a lot of that going on. And then a lot of a lot of people who are adopted and don't know much about their they are able to connect with their biological Are family. people surprised to find there's incest where they didn't realize it? All the I don't know about incest, but for sure marital infidelity. infidelity? Uh, you know, I, I, I know 
I know of, you know, firsthand experiences, you know, just doing this article, you know, 12, 20 people somewhere in there, a dozen people or more who found out the shocks of their lives by doing this. And sometimes it's not just them. Sometimes they do it and they find, oh, there's a second cousin or a first cousin they didn't know existed. Oh, I know. It's an uncle, right, or an aunt or something. And so, you know, as we say in this article, you know, these services, it's not as if they're sending a therapist out with the reports, right? And so some people just aren't equipped for this. And some people are finding out things about their family that it's not their parents, it's not their siblings, it's, it's you know, two different branches over and it's 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 really disruptive i guess is what if I you would say. had family but you didn't know about would you want to know i, I wouldn't want to I know. i don't care about it yeah i mean i i think yeah i have a big family already my, but I, I can see why my kids would want to do this someday yeah. right and i wouldn't you know I, and I if they wanted to do it fine i just think that you might learn things that, that you're not prepared for on the other hand i can tell you now that you know so you know when i was doing this i jokingly called my parents and said hey if there's anything I should know, let me know now. But I, sh- you know, I really, you really should, I think, get permission from your family to do it. The problem is the cat's out of the bag. So many people have done this test, these tests by now that that, you know, these surprises have already been uncovered. Oh, it's uh, Kevin Brasler, ConsumerCheckbook.org, and there, there are not a lot of stuff. There, there are not a lot of things that I have complete confidence in and think it's a wicked good deal, totally worth it. So glad I did it. It's your company. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Thank you. Look at you smiling away. I'm, I'm, I love I'm, it. I'm smiling because Rob is hustling over to uh, solve your technology. Yeah, my screen, here. which used to, there it is. I don't know what happened. Thanks, Rob. I used to have these buttons that would turn on the microphone and it all went <laughs> kablooey. It all went black. So, anyway, I like having confidence when, uh, you know, I'm going to need a, somebody. We were talking about potential asbestos mitigation. You didn't cover that yet, right? No, not yet. I mean, we have ratings of asbestos. uh, Mitigation companies? Yeah. Well, we haven't, I have not, you know, I have no advice on them. There's not many ratings either. But, you know, I got to get, I have to get a vet near the home in case of emergency. It's good to, you know. Yeah. So we evaluate veterinarians. I might need Um, a new, uh, what do you call it? Primary care physician. Yeah, it's just yeah. really great a lot, deal. Of what, a lot of what we do these days is is on healthcare. Give me a li- some more of the things that you cover specifically. Oh, uh, things you've done in the last year that you can remember. In the last year, uh, in our last print issue, uh, we did a whole thing on doctors and on shared decision making in healthcare. How that's so important. Uh, we did something on DNA ancestry services, which we're talking about today. Uh, appliance repair, uh, buying appliances, how to get a good deal. Appliance repair, does anyone do that? I mean, why yeah, not? You just know, get and, a new and the, part of the reason I did this because, yeah, they should. A lot of people, the thing breaks and they say, oh, it's going to be really expensive to fix my refrigerator. I'll just buy a new one. They don't even look to see if it should be fixed or not. And often the repair is like $120, $130. They should have just, you know, fixed it. And they Some get guy another come and five clean it, year. Clean it. Yeah. And or replace the or, part. You know, replace like, you know, my refrigerator went out a couple years ago and. You know, my wife's like, "Well, we, you know, we'll just go out to this weekend and get a new one." Twelve hundred bucks. How much is a refrigerator? Twelve. Yeah, it can be anywhere. You know, two thousand bucks. Two thousand twenty five hundred dollars for most models. <sighs> I had this guy come in and he charged me one hundred and ten dollars to replace the capacitor. Which Look is at like you a smiling. You're part. like, I'm a genius. I, you know, showed my wife up, right? Uh, so, you know, a lot of these things that we do is just to kind of help people, you know, so you could do your own appliance repairs. There's all these how-to videos out there these days and you can buy your own parts and it sounds crazy, but, but most repairs are quite simple and, and easy to do. I wouldn't do it. What about shared decision-making? 
uh, shared decision making care. is the idea that you know it used to be you know doctor's orders. You go to the doctor and they'd say do this and or we're going to have this surgery and and really the the more patients learn about their conditions, the more information they take in, uh, the better. And and doctors these days are at least finally being trained uh, to to you know present different options to their patients. And really the the patient is the ultimate kind of decision maker in terms of what care they'll get because often there's lots of choices to make. It's not just one path to follow. Um, so you, you need to be given all the pros and cons so you right. can and, decide what's important to you and it starts, like you may not want to live forever in well, a well or a, you know or you know or, or there usually there's many different you know for prostate cancer there could be three or four treatment yeah. options uh each with different implications in terms of what your life's going to be like i needed knee surgery 10 years ago and i had three different choices in terms of what they could have done and i'm glad i took the path I did because I had choices. Well, I, so I had an ACL tear. And so my option was to, um, they had to go in and clean up the meniscus anyways. And most of the surgeons I spoke with said, well, yeah, you're going to have to have the ACL grafted back in. And some said, well, you're going to get it from a cadaver from your own. And then the third surgeon I talked to said, you know, I didn't think you need to do this. You've, you've messed your knee up so much. You're going to need knee replacement surgery way down the road. Anyways, why do a year's worth of rehab on an ACL when, what you want to be able to do with that knee is play basketball and, you know, hike, and you're going to be able to do that without an ACL. So I, for, for 12 years now, I haven't had an ACL. You did nothing. Knee. At some point, and you'll I, just and, get a total knee. And so the minor surgery I had to clean up my meniscus, I was back playing basketball three weeks later. So, you still play basketball? Oh, yeah, like two, three times a week on, on no ACL. He said it doesn't really matter, like, if you wear a brace or not, because you're going to be back in here again. You're going to hurt it again if you're going to play basketball. <laughs> so far, I've been... Like, but the, the point is that, that you know, there's usually lots of different treatment choices and, and doctors should be sharing all of them with their patients and helping them decide. And also shared decision-making starts with choosing your doctors. Uh, there, you, you have lots of choices. You should be getting second opinions. And a lot of what we do as Checkbook is present people with ratings of surgeons. So how did you approach with what you do, the shared decision-making? <clears throat> Rate doctors based on their sharing well, it's hard to do. I, with with primary care doctors, we survey patients and get their opinions, and that's that's one of the questions on our survey: is how well do they communicate? Do they, you know, let you share in decisions? Uh, with other doctors, it's a little more difficult. We evaluate surgeons actually for their outcomes, how well their patients do after high risk right. surgery. Uh, for other specialties, it's even tougher. If you're trying to find a good dermatologist, I don't really have outcomes data to look at for them. Uh, so we ask. You know, other doctors, you know, if you needed a dermatologist, who would you see? If you needed an allergist, who would you see? And it's based on basically reputation. But at least there you have something to start with as opposed to just this black box that, that used to exist for healthcare. All right, back to DNA testing. Did we? Did I ask on air or off air about what the motivation is? I think that was off air. Off air, yeah. And I, and I think that's, you know, again, it's a uniquely American thing to to, to not know, right, where you're, you're, you're ethnicity maybe and i think a lot of people in this country um they want to know because they want to connect with a certain culture uh or they just don't you know they're i guess if they learned their irish that would be you know or scottish for example you know you hear about these people they find out they're scottish and they start wearing kilts and stuff right and it seems so our our editorial director at, at checkbook she took one of these tests. Uh, it was through Ancestry, and she found out that she was 30% Irish. That was a big surprise to her. She had no idea. Um, and so she basically, she's a big traveler like like you and I are, and she started planning this big trip to Ireland. 
And then Ancestry redid their algorithm, and now she found out she's like less than 20% Irish. 19. <laughs> yeah, and, and then the margin is even bigger than that. So, But she says she's still going to Ireland. But you know, I, that, was, that was interesting to her to learn. But I think most this is entertainment. Most people are doing this because they don't know and because it's like small talk fodder, right? That they, they, they want to be able to tell their friends, oh, I found out a big surprise, I'm 2% you know, Native American or 4% Middle Eastern or whatever. And even though they're probably not that, um, I think people are doing this for, you know, most of the people I've spoken to who have gotten these tests and actually thought they were useful, thought they were useful because they found out some little nugget of information they didn't know. And I, you know, I hated to break to them that, you know, finding out you're one and a half percent or two percent Native American, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and, and so I have to kind of in ask terms of the the margin of error, it's really not a meaningful. Do you have to get up to before it does mean anything? Uh, well, twenty percent. So, if I was twenty percent anything, well, I wouldn't it, feel. If I was twenty percent you know, Iranian, what I, I don't know. And, and and I think that another problem though is that you know there's kind of the judgments that are being made over. Oh, you're that percent. It's insignificant. So Elizabeth Warren is a great example of this, right? Yeah. She said at some point in her life that she was partly Native American because the family lore was that her great 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 I think grandfather was Cherokee and her family's from Oklahoma, so that that that's yeah. typical there. Um, and then she did her testing and she found out she was whatever percent, a very small percent, Native American, and everyone killed her for it, right? See, you're not Native American at all. But if you look at the percentages, it actually jived with her family lore. So if your grandparent is, say, Native American, that means you're 25% Native American. If your one great-grandparent is Native American, now you're down to 12.5%. Great-great-grandparent, it's half a 12. So you see six. how if it's a great— She wasn't at six. Well, you're, you're no, like, but, but, but the family lore was her great-great—I think her great-great-great-grandfather was Native American, which puts her at, like, whatever, 2 3%. Native American, which which is what her test results found that you know, she was this very I don't remember what they were right I don't have to dig up the news story, but my point is that you know to say oh I I'm two percent Native American and that's something new I learned, um, except the fact that these companies the way they do their research they really aren't that exact and there's a good there's a chance that you're not native american at all that they've picked on like a 50 percent chance in some well case. so what they're using as we said is this 50 yeah. percent confidence interval so it's a dilemma for the companies because if you spend a hundred dollars on something and they gave you back a report bradley and said you're european you'd be like well that was a waste of money correct so they try to be more specific because that's what people bought them for and, they, and also that's what they advertised but the problem is once they try to be specific, because of the whole th the way this works, because the science is new, because the numbers are big, because people move around, because the way you define ethnicity is just kind of vague, right? Uh, you know, in terms of German versus Italian versus these groups, which didn't even exist in terms of the labels we use these days. Because of all that, when they try to be more exact, they have to use this really big, you know, confidence interval. I will say this though, that's fine. Right. If if you're doing this stuff for entertainment, for cocktail purposes, conversation, who cares? Right. And so maybe they should use a 50 percent confidence because at least they'll learn something other than I'm broadly European. <laughs> if they were recommending drug therapies to you and your doctor, then you want them to be 99 percent sure. Yeah. Right. If they are giving, you know, testing you for, I don't know, HIV or for, you know, kidney function or something, you want them to be really confident about the results. Um, if you're if you're you know, if you're trying to uh, predict whether or not somebody won an election or not, 
early on. You'd like to be pretty confident yeah. about the results. Otherwise, it's really embarrassing, right? But for this, ah, it's entertainment. Who cares, right? right? I kind of, I'm concerned that people use it to f try to feel superior. Well, I and I think that you know, I hope that I am this because then right. I will feel superior. And, and I, I feel better about me right. than if I were that. Yeah, and I, I didn't write this, and because I just really couldn't figure out a way to formulate it in words very well, but. One reason I set this down for four months is that I got to the point where I was like, who cares about this? It's, it seems, in a way, kind of racist that anybody cares about it because it's not as if yeah, they're— so much about their race. Or they're not, it's, not, it's not as if they're identifying with the group because of the terrible things <laughs> that ethnicity might have done to others over the years. Um, you know, they're always identifying with the best things about that ethnicity. And in the end, you know, who really cares? It's, you know, who, who really cares that my wife has— Mayflower connections. It doesn't mean it doesn't. She didn't accomplish that, right? She was just born into something like that, and it that's doesn't a little do bit interesting. If you really know that you had your great 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 whatever had this experience, such and such experience, that's kind of cool to know to actually know who well, the person was, and you do that through a real genealogist, right? And the, and this and is you what, can learn about the life yeah. of a person right. that was related to you, right? And that's close enough, so you yeah, can, if those traits those. You know, if if your great great grandfather, if your family were all farmers, right? I mean, that might have an effect on you. Yeah, and that that if you're interested in this stuff, I'd recommend you do genealogical research I think or hire someone to do it for you because you'll learn rich details about your family that are actually interesting. So a good their example name is, and what they did. Well, and in my case, so I actually did as part of this project. I actually, you know, did some genealogical research. Does do the reports jive with that? You know, I found, you know, that my mother's line, if you take all the women back, it's like the first births in New Amsterdam. You can go straight down. I mean, that's that's kind of interesting. And even better, I found that my grandmother on my dad's side, she gave this oral history to another family member. And I found this transcript of it. It was fascinating. It was about, you know, the business her family owned and what happened when her dad died when she was young and all these things I didn't know. Uh, you can actually find these, you know, rich pieces of information. You could find out. You know, which members of your family died in the Holocaust yeah. and where? And, you know, things that as opposed to to these these DNA tests where it's you know, you're spitting in a cup and then it's a coin flip as to whether or not what they're giving you is really, you know, accurate or not. Yeah. The DNA is just kind of scientific where. But genetic, I mean, a genealogist is experiential. Yeah, the, the experience yeah. that your ancestors right. you can had get details. is kind of interesting. And, and the, there are pictures of them. Right. And you say, documents. oh, that's my grandfather. Documents. I mean, that kind yeah. of matters. And maybe letters they've written. Right. And the, But the problem is that seems like a dreaded homework assignment, right? Having, oh, i got to sit here in front of the computer for two hours on a genealogical side or hire, some, you hire you know, somebody. Spitting into a thing and sending it in and finding out you're 4% Scandinavian, that seems fascinating and you know, like cutting edge to people and, and not much work. Uh, the problem is that's, that's all they can tell you, and even that is not usually very, very precise. Well, let's take a quick break and finish up with Kevin on WBZ. You recognize my voice? I hear his voice in the morning hour. He calls me. The radio reminds me of my home far away. Jay talking. WBZ News Radio 1030. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I know how this sounds, but something told me to turn on the radio. No voice on the radio told you to come here. Radio zombies all night long. You just have to listen. Bradley J's coming on strong. Jay talking. Bradley J. You're up next. It won't be long. WBZ. Can I talk? Talk to you. You gotta talk as well. The hour is gone. News Radio 1030. We gotta go for the Jay talking show. We gotta learn what you say. Bradley J. BZ. WBZ. Kevin Pressler from ConsumerCheckbook.org comes in once a, once a month to talk about what they're up to, and this time we're addressing the DNA testing services, the the ones that take the swab and tell you to some degree where you where you might be from. Yeah. One thing we have not talked about is the privacy issue, yeah. and I hadn't even thought of that. How is that? Yeah, How I does mean, privacy come into play? Millions of people have done these tests. I think it's up to maybe 20 million by now people have submitted uh, their DNA to these companies. And the companies themselves uh, overwhelmingly are not uh, making a lot of money off of the 60 to $100 you pay them to give you these ridiculous reports. Uh, what they're banking on is making tons of money, billions of dollars potentially, off of all the genetic data they're scooping up. Uh, almost all these companies turn around and sell or share these data uh, with help with researchers uh, and and usually you opt in to have your sample included in that type of research and and most people do opt in because you know they're trying to find a cure for 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 cancers for Parkinson's disease for uh, you know certain types of other genetic illnesses and so most people say yeah yeah throw my sample in there use my data for that the problem is they are doing that type of research, but they're also doing other things with these data. Uh, so they might be looking at uh, a big investor in all of this is Procter & Gamble Beauty, right? Well, what do they want to know about me, right? That's what's one of the quotes from one of our privacy experts. Um, you know, if if they find a really expensive cure for baldness, you know, for example, you're not going to profit from that, but Procter & Gamble is going to profit, profit big time. Uh, they may also be doing research that you don't agree with. They may be looking into... Uh, you know, certain, you know, you know, for a long time, geneticists were looking at, you know, links between intelligence and race. I'm not say they're saying they're doing that now, but over the course of time, uh, you know, these types of data were used for things that you might not agree with. They might be looking into uh, if you believe in, you know, right to life issues. They may be, you know, looking at certain things that you just don't ethically or morally agree with. I think, the, Are they testing to see if you have proclivity to certain diseases? Well, and if they do, it's not, do they look, share that with so, insurance so companies? There's, there's well, and so there's the other issue is that you know 23andMe does these healthcare reports. We don't really get around to that in this this interview, but you know there is a question of you know how those reports are used. If they tell you that your BRAC A or B 
genes have a lower risk for colon cancer or breast cancer or whatever, does that mean you're not going to get the test you should? Uh, you know, the, the, you got yeah, the are you going to behave any differently? You're gonna, you have this false sense of security, actually. Uh, there's another issue of uh, health care insurers, health insurance providers cannot use genetic information to decide anything about you. Employers can't use genetic information to decide anything about you. Uh, but long-term yeah. care, lo life insurance companies, there's nothing preventing them from using these data. There's nothing preventing long-term care insurance companies. from. They're not yet, but the, word, the key word there is yet. The policies of the companies collecting these data so far have pretty good protections against companies getting them and using them for those types of purposes today. But a big thing about all the policies we looked at, the, the privacy policies and agreements and terms of use that you sign off on when you send this stuff into them, uh, is that they're changeable. The, the company can change them whenever the company wants to change them, and you don't get a say if they do. Uh, another big issue in terms of privacy with these data is that law enforcement are using are looking to use these data uh, to solve crimes or identify suspects. And most of us say, well, fine. You want to find out my second cousin you know, murdered somebody? That's fine with me. But I think there is an overall issue here with illegal search. And that's what it comes down to, that they're using these data to conduct what with what I think a lot of, you know, civil rights, uh, you know, I think there's some issues here with, you know, should law enforcement be tapping into these databases to try to frack, track down criminals? How are they using the data? Are they getting permission to use them? They're not. Um, so that's but, interesting. So but, utilizing your... Well, they've already with, solved crimes using these data Without your permission well, might amount to they, illegal search. They've already, they've already solved crimes using these data. I, I think... Really, though, the biggest issue to me is not with what their companies are doing with these data now. It's what are they going to do 50 years from now? Like right now, none of these companies are using these genetic data to decide who gets to vote or who gets to eat. They're not in this country. But right now, today in China, they're using genetic data, genetic samples to identify Uyghur minorities in that country. To discriminate against, to isolate them and discriminate right. it's against. It's something them. that the Nazis would have loved to have. Uh, exactly, and so right now the culture is such that these data are are are, are being safeguarded pretty Maybe. well. There's been breaches of these companies too, but overall they're de-identifying the data. It's fine, but I, I you just you don't know what's going to happen 50 years from now. You don't know what's going to happen when the company culture changes with these companies, and you for sure don't know what's going to happen when they're looking for different profit sectors. Thank so, you. Well, this was this was. Among the best visits you've had, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We didn't get to argue about travel insurance uh, again. We'll have, we'll have to skip a month <laughs> on travel insurance. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. Kevin Bresler, Checkbook, consumercheckbook.org. It's a wicked good service, and it's a wicked good deal. And I, on my own, signed up just because I think it's cool, and I do like it. Thank you very much. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.